Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. Today on my episode, I have someone who I've known on social media for a while, but mostly know through his connection with Voice Ed Radio because luckily last summer they were on every Friday morning. And so last week's guest, you know, I had Pav. And this week I am so excited. Finally, I am able to have Che Cheney on my, on my podcast. And so welcome, Che. I mean, I was so excited that I was able to listen to you because of the time difference. And I'm waiting for the summer again to listen to the drive again, because I love the music and I love the banter back and forth. But how are you? Uh, thank you, Elaine. Eileen. Oh, I, I'm great. And it's great that I get to follow up Pav, because I know Pav has delivered all the nuggets in the previous conversation. And I just need to <laughs> fill in a little bit here or there. You know, Pav and I always joke that when people ask to talk to us, they only ever ask for Pav. Uh, and so we always joke, who's got more podcast appearances solo? Pav's way up. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm really excited, uh, one, to get to tell Pav I was on your podcast by myself. Uh, and then you let me speak freely without mm -hmm. uh, Pav's cut eyes that usually guide me in the right direction. Uh, and yes, we have connected through that voicehead radio space. Uh, Stephen Hurley cultivates a wonderful space and he uh, allowed us to sort of expand and play around with that idea of the drive. And, and we like to make that into a community. When you think of educational content, it's probably not the richest content, but in regards to creating a community where people can connect and people can feel like they're connecting with teachers and educators across the globe in a shared moment. I think uh, it's a really great space and we are looking forward to getting back on the Friday morning so you can join us live, Eileen, because I know it's really early in the morning uh, for you now when we go on Sunday evenings. Yeah, I'd have to go to sleep, wake up and go back to sleep. And <laughs> I, I love you both lots, but sorry. <laughs> no, get your sleep, get your sleep. Yeah. It's sleep before the drive. So, and it's recorded. So I, 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 I sometimes am able to catch up during the day after. So, Che, I didn't really say too much about what you do, where you are. So please tell our listeners all about you. Uh, absolutely. You know, beyond the drive and our, and our content creation to our core, I say we because I'm used to always talking with Pav uh, and I together, is that to our core or to my core, I'm just a teacher, a uh, grade eight teacher, teaching northern Toronto, been doing it for 20 years, predominantly language and physical education. Um, but I've dabbled a few times in a few other subject matters. And in the, the new uh, world, you don't do much rotary anymore for middle school. So I've taken on the full curriculum this year, which I assume many teachers are doing. Uh, and so it's been adventuresome to, to dive into social studies and to dive into uh, science, which I've never taught science before. Uh, it's been fun to go into history because to my core, I actually don't have a physical education degree. I have a history honor specialist, but it's never really been put into practice. It was just my degree, so I've never taught history. Uh, not that they totally correlated because it's different time periods, but it's fun to go back into a content matter to which I had a real passion for when I was uh, a little younger. 
in terms of my quest in education, I really enjoy uh, teaching. And so I don't necessarily look to advance further. I haven't been inspired to be uh, a, a principal. I have the utmost respect for those positions, but I really love being a teacher of 20 years. And I look forward to, at the end to be able to say, I taught for 30 years. Wow. Yeah, that's great. So, but even though you're still teaching, you're dabbling in new things, new, new adventures. So that's always exciting. Um, Jay, the first question I always ask my guests is, if I uh, mention the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Team. I think team. Mm -hmm. And I guess with my sports background, as although I don't have you know a sports training, I, I played competitive sports. I played university sports. So team was always important. Mm -hmm. And my gateway, my access point into teaching was a lot of my coaching. I love to coach. I love to coach team. So when I think of journey and belonging, I assume a lot of people use the vernacular family and I'm not dismissing family, but I actually always gravitate to the term team. And I actually was doing some reading on this concept of, you know, businesses and organizations and how do they set their, their framework up. And although families are really common vernacular, uh, it often is a, a, it can lead to uh, tensions because what we expect out of family is a little different than what we expect out of team. And that doesn't mean less love or less commitment. Mm -hmm. But if I put things into a team concept, if I think of I'm building my team or I'm playing for the season, we're all in for the season and we're going to do everything we can and we're going to support each other. But there's, there's, there's a sense of finality to your season. So we're going for the World Series in 2016, but we know that in 2017, there's going to be players that go off to do other things. There's going to be people that are inspired to try other teams. And so when you fixate on the concept of team, it gives me a real appreciation for the here and the now and the moment. And so whether we're doing the podcast or I'm doing the radio or I'm teaching or it's my great partner, you know, you know what? I'm going to have a great relationship with my great partner, but maybe it's only for this year. Maybe I want to go off and do something new and different. Maybe they want to go off to a different grade. And so I, I find when I use vernacular belonging as words like team, it keeps me very present in the moment where I think vernacular like family sort of implies it will be around forever. And sometimes you can take for granted when you think you'll always be in contact with people. So I really appreciate my great partner. I've been lucky that uh, we've taught together for 16 years, but she retired in December and now I have a new great partner. And so I really appreciate it each and every year we, we work together. And so uh, I like the idea of team because it keeps me focused in the moment and very appreciative of the moment. And then understanding people may move off, people may do things. I'm, I've had great relationships with teachers that I may never talk to again because they've gone off to become a coach or an administrator. And that doesn't diminish the relationship. It doesn't diminish the, the, what we did. But I, I like to, I always think team. And when you said belonging, it reminds me of being on a great team. That's great. That's, you know, I've interviewed uh, quite a few educators and others in, in this time of, that I started the podcast. And you're the first person that really focused on team, but not just team, also the uh, looking at the here and now, what is happening right now. And sometimes we lose sight of that because we, we think about the future, the uncertainty, or we're dwelling on the past, what happened before, but it's often the present that is what we really need to be concentrating on in order to understand those relationships and really appreciate them for the time that we have them. So yeah, so I, I love that. Uh, the first question I'd like to ask you, which you may not be expecting, or maybe you are, 
uh, is about your nickname, Hurricane. Oh, oh. <laughs> where, this, that this is... where that comes from, and um, you say it with such, uh, such a fervor. And it's obvious, obviously coming from me, listening to you on the airwaves, it's coming from your heart. So tell me a little bit about Hurricane. The hurricane is, you know, I often joke, don't give yourself your own nickname. You wait for someone to give you your nickname. Ah. And um, when we started the podcast, we're saying, because it's podcast related, I, I, I reference myself as the gym guy. And that, that for me is like my Michael Jordan moment, because I mm -hmm. once had an administrator that said, you're only a gym guy in this community. And I took it to say, oh, I'll show you what a gym guy does then, <laughs> implying that gym guy is more than just gym guy. So that one was sort of my own. Uh, manifestation but mm -hmm. one of my things that I tend to be very passionate like many people are and my passion comes out as really sort of loud maybe considered aggressive uh, but very fast-paced speech speech I'll go off on these like rants and sometimes on the podcast early on it was brought back to my attention you speak so fast Che when you get into a, a rant you're just going like a hurricane and um, it was one of our listeners um Allison from Teacher Fit, and she commented, who would win, a hurricane or Che? Who would win, Che or a hurricane named Che? Or how about we just call Che the hurricane? And so <laughs> with an audience that just references how fast I speak and the aggression, I, aggression may not be the right word, but I can be ferocious in how I speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, so aggression when, in a good way. <laughs> yes. Um, is That's when sort of it, it I didn't ascend to it right away, but it just kept coming up and it kept coming up and people kept referencing it. And then it seemed to go really well with the drive. It seemed like the perfect handle for a radio DJ in the morning, Jay, the hurricane. And so ultimately the hurricane is a reference of sort of my mannerisms, but not ones I self-identified. Someone, mm -hmm. someone noticed in me and they shared it and it was really fun. And That's we've fun. used it ever since. And it sticks because it, it does make sense. You go back and you listen to my messages and I'll go, Oh, I speak so fast. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks for sharing about that. I was always wondering how that came up. So it's nice, nice to know the background. Um, Jay, on your website, which is fairly new, and I love it. Uh, I know that it's sort of still under construction, but there's a lot of really great stuff on it already. Um, on your website, you and Pav have put together a mission and vision statement uh, that reads, in part, and I'm going to quote you, we have a vision and desire to see teaching and learning thrive with student agency, a commitment to inquiry, exploration, and questioning. We aim to constantly inspire those in our spaces to be advocates and allies for social justice rather than we require complacency. So I want to know what are some of the ways you promote this in your classroom, in the school, um, what, what's the background behind that mission and, and, and vision? Um, the background behind it, I think, really reflects the evolution of Pavanai's growth in teaching through our podcasting experience. Uh, we would always argue we were lifelong learners, and, but you could probably say it was on a general slope, a general path. But when we dove into that podcasting community, we had ideas of what we wanted. And then there was the, the sort of the law of unintended consequences, things mm -hmm. that manifest you didn't expect. And our learning became more than just mere reflection. We connected with people. 
uh, we listened to people, we interviewed with people, and our teaching capacities grew exponentially. And Pap and I teach in Northwest Toronto, which is predominantly an entirely racialized uh, community. So although I felt like I was aware for social justice issues and I was an advocate for my students, I think in my own learning, I realized there was more that I could do. I could be much more intentional in the resources I was using in my book. I could be much more intentional in realizing that so many of our students' stories aren't honored through erasureism because they're not seen. And although I thought I was teaching at a high level and I, and I felt like I was committed, I think I realized that I had centered myself too much, especially as a white male. And even though with best intentions, I was actually not being the ally and advocate I could because I wasn't curating enough resources. I wasn't open up to enough conversations. As a teacher, always felt a little nervous that you had to center yourself or be in control of the dialogue. But in a community that's entirely racialized, I, I can't be centered. Now, I can't put all the onus on my students to carry the emotional burden to teach me. I have to go out and I have to read and I have to learn and I have to be a part of it. But a lot of that growth came through the podcasting and it's reflected in our mission statement, which is our, our mission statement about Chain Pat, but it really is a reflection of our own personal growth in the classroom and things we did. But now I think we do them with a little bit more poignancy and we do it with a little bit more understanding of what we're doing. So I've always been a big proponent of student agency and student voice, but I couldn't necessarily articulate how the pedagogy worked and how it layered itself to be part of SEL and how it layered itself to be part of culturally responsive pedagogy. I wouldn't have been able to make those connections or articulate it. So I think a lot of that growth is, the growth becomes exponential. And so um, that statement really reflects our personal growth, our mutual growth as teachers. Mm -hmm. And so Will that statement likely change? It might change, it might evolve. I wouldn't ever say it's cemented because I'll look back on my teaching and say in the last two years, my growth has been exponential in comparison to the first 18 years. Right, yeah. And uh, just so our listeners know who aren't familiar with the podcast, you've been doing them for about two years? Yeah, the podcast is almost two years now, about 18 months or something like that. Yeah, and it's really interesting that the podcast has influenced the way you look at your teaching, the way your own teaching philosophy, how would you say that it's influenced that? Is it the people that you've been in contact? Is it your conversations with Pav? The podcast started as just a, a weekly reflection. So we would just teach and then just decide to have a podcast and it, and, and it had value. But as the more you did it, you, you just, it's natural to want to do more. I guess if you're right. committed, I don't even want to say committed to growth mindset. Maybe if you're naturally inclined to always want to try mm -hmm. something new, we just tried a little bit new. And so it started very gradual. First, it was like, okay, now that we know we're going to speak on Friday, what are we going to do during the week that we can really articulate? Like even flip this, like the flip classroom model, rather mm -hmm. than not discussing, we had a plan. And then with the plan came, well, we want to make sure we're using this resource, or we want to make sure we're using this read aloud, or we want to make sure so that our conversation now came a little bit more poignant. Mm -hmm. And then in the space of sharing that information, you go into social media and then you start to meet people and you start to see the content they're sharing. Right. And then you say, oh, I, I really like what so-and-so posted. Let me bring this back to my classroom and give it a shot, see how it works, and then reflect back. Like I can think of, um, we did our tournament of books, which was inspired by seeing, um, I'm going to forget her last name, um, is Bobby, she's a, a Teach Better ambassador, and she had posted her blog and her mm -hmm. podcast on her school's experience. So we listened and loved it, brought it back, did it, and then shared that, and then reconnected and said, 
thanks for inspiring us. Thanks for gifting us your knowledge. We've taken it and you grow. So it, it came from just pure reflection to a little bit more poignancy. And then you're reaching out and you're connecting with people. And then I would also highlight being part of that voice ed uh, community. Right. As much as voice ed supports you, you support and you're curious about what else is going on. So what other things, programs are going on voice ed radio, you listen to the anti-racist book reader club with mm. Glenda Klein. And, and then all of a sudden you reach out and you connect with those people. And then Debbie Donsky's there and you reach out and you connect with them mm -hmm. and you just grow and it becomes personalized PD. So when we bring right. Kalinda Klein to talk about how indigenous culture is the heart of mathematics studies, well, I just had a, we had a two-on-one ratio PD for 40 minutes. You bring in Debbie Donsky and you're talking specifically, how am I doing sketchnoting? How am I connected sketchnoting uh, mm -hmm. into the anti-racist platform? It's personalized PD. So right. those, type of, those type of experiences have come back to improve our podcast, improve what we're trying to do with our podcast. And then at the end, you know, it's sort of, you, you waver. What am I trying to do with your podcast? And the podcast place is so busy. And yes. it took Pav and I a while to realize, you know what, you know who we're doing this for? It's, it's for us. And not in a negative closed way. It's like, mm -hmm. regardless of whether you have listeners, regardless of people feedback on your content, and you love those things, you love those validations. Sure. But to our core, you know, what keeps us going is Pav and I always say, we're so much better in the classroom because of this experience. So when people say, you got to slow down or you're doing too much, maybe, but it's the it's that flow, the mm -hmm. the payoff to how I'm improved in my classroom, which makes me you know what more satisfied in my classroom. And I can see the joy in my students, and I see those type of affirmations. Then then that's that's why we keep going, and that's right. why we love that space, and that's why we advocate you should podcast because it just it just it it absolutely fills you with such insights, and it, it gives mm -hmm. you such fire. And you see the immediacy of the impact in the work you're doing in your space right. at, at the power of a medium. It is. It really is. So you, you have the two podcasts. And I think the one that you're referring to, because you mentioned Friday, is the Staff Room podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, and so tell me a little bit about, and you mentioned it briefly at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about the community that has been created around the Staff Room podcast. And I would say... Probably it's the, the conversations that you've had and the interactions that you have about your experiences in the classroom and trying to understand them and reflect on them, which has really spoken to others. But tell me how that community has developed. What does that look like? And what does that mean to you? And what do you think it means, means to those who are in that community? Um, I think, uh-oh, when I think about the Staff Room podcast, I think a lot of our growth came, who's your message for? Who do you think is going to resonate with your content? Who mm -hmm. do you going to make that connection with? And I, sometimes I think of people say, oh, this is for parents and teachers and educators and coaches. So it's for nobody. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's tough. It, it, it reminds me of, uh, there's a book that talks about seating in planes and they did all the research to figure out what would be the best seat to fit the average um Per, uh, consumer of a flight so they did all the research all the the body types etc etc mm -hmm. and then they made the plane seats and then it fits almost nobody oh. because it tries <laughs> to accumulate too much data yes. and so for Pab and I it's not a podcast it's necessarily for parents we don't really think it's necessarily for coaches we don't think it's necessarily for administrators it's 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 about teachers mm -hmm. which is often why we we distinguish that we're not we're, we're under the educational umbrella right. but we're a teacher so we can speak on our experiences as teachers 
and administrators. I'm not an administrator, so I won't right. even venture to think that I can speak on what the 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 robustness of your job or right. custodians or office staff. Those those roles are important roles, and you have to have a certain level of expertise. Mm -hmm. And so I won't trivialize them by thinking I have a message that all uh, administrators can use. No, I, I I don't have that expertise. Um, now, am I an expert? Pav and I are not experts. And I think when you think about community, you know, um, is Pav and I joke, as soon as you say you have a must listen to episode, I ain't listening. There's no must listen to content. That content is available everywhere. So do you build a community where that becomes an access point? And I think right. for Pav and I, through our own self-discovery, for some people, we're a great access point for them to reflect mm -hmm. and to learn. And right. thus, we always talk about our podcast that this is mutual space. Pav and I talk and we learn as the conversation goes on. And we've always been very open to we, the conversation we want to continue later. The end mm -hmm. of our episode is not, oh, what have we learned? No, no, no. There, there's no guarantee we've learned because you listen to our mm -hmm. podcast. It's just right. some reflection. We've shared some best practices for us. We've shared some insights on some things we've read, some things we've studied. But we'd love your further voice in the conversation to propel our personal learning. Right. And I think people gravitate to that idea. Sunil Singh uses the expression, yeah. we're mutual learners. Mm -hmm. And so when Pav and I think of our podcast, it's like, we're mutual learners. And I think we advocate for that. And I think right. our audience is drawn to that idea. It's teachers, they're reflecting, we want to learn, we want to grow together. And yeah. it's not a sage on stage mentality. It's mm -hmm. not a, you're coming here to learn. No, we're coming here to connect. It's the staff room, hopefully a positive staff room. And so I, yeah. I think the community is really growing around that idea that, the podcast is an access point for further conversation, like our episode on toxic positivity. We mm -hmm. aren't the experts on toxic positivity, but it's generated a lot of great conversation and yes. it's generated a lot of further growth for myself mm -hmm. after the fact. Same with something like yeah. imposter syndrome or something like our SEL and math episode. Those episodes aren't standalone pieces where that's the learning. No, it, it's an entry point and an access point for mm -hmm. teachers to further discuss. Yeah. And I think that community has, is a really good community. I don't think we're the greatest podcast because uh, I try to drop that competitive vernacular. I think we mm -hmm. have a little space and I think we mm -hmm. have a little community that appreciates it and that, and that keeps our fire burning. Right. And I think it's because you and Pav wonder about things that are current because you're in the classroom and you're, you're seeing these things, you know, you're active on social media um, you're talking to your uh, colleagues at work, and these are the kinds of things that are coming up. And so it's, you know, let's just sort of wonder and have a conversation about this topic because it seems to be something that's coming up and it's of interest to us. Not because you're searching and seeing that, oh, the, a huge number of people really want to hear about this. So I'm going to put out a podcast on this particular subject. And I think that's what's so authentic and genuine about your conversations is that you can tell that things are, there are aha moments that are coming up. It's not canned and it's not prepared beforehand. And so, so I really love that. So that's the Staff Room Podcast. Tell me a little bit about the drive. How did that get started? And um, when did it get started? And what's that community like? And is it the same community for both? The drive is probably just over a year old now. We started in February. It was really 
fun and unique because uh, Stephen Hurley had just invited us onto Voice Radio just to to share to showcase our podcast. One of hundred, uh, I think two hundred and some odd podcasts Stephen Hurley has on the Voice Ed Radio site, the most yes. uh, comprehensive collection of educational content you can absolutely. find. So absolutely go to Voice Ed Radio as a starting point to find great educational content on all kinds of different mm-hmm. uh, content area. And so we were just texting and back and forth. And um, one of the luxuries is Stephen Hurley lives just down the street. Uh, I mean, 20 minutes, but when you think about the global reach of educational yes. content, <laughs> 20 minutes is close. That's and true. And so we were brainstorming, what could we do? What, what what other things could we go uh, foster? And Pav and I didn't have all the right equipment at first. So we started to joke, well, why don't we do a, a live morning show? Like something like you can teach or drive in. And Stephen Hurley was able to say, well, we could do this. I'd love to do this. You're going to need this. You're going to need that. And he drove to our school and he brought us some pieces and he brought us some components and he hooked wow. up our computer and he put all the software in it. Cause it's a little, it's just a little different to go live on the radio mm-hmm. and Ultimately, Stephen Hurley facilitated just a, a series of texts wow. back and forth to do this. And so Pav and I did probably our first five episodes live from the back of my classroom, literally minutes before the <laughs> bell would go. And so it was really fun and authentic. So the drive was done in our back of our classroom. Yeah. Um, then we went COVID. So we went remote. Right. And then during that time, uh, Pav became surplus at her school. So she was forced to go to another school mm-hmm. that doesn't have times that overlap. So we're not really able to do the drive um, in the morning before school. Mm-hmm. We just, we just, it's just not physically possible the way it was right. in its conception. Uh, now we do it, you know, more formally based. Now we, we record, we have, or don't record, we go, we have our time. It's not as, it's not as sort of, uh, really fun or as nervous as doing it in the back of your classroom. Now that's fun <laughs> drive in radio. It's a very lively, uh, it's a very lively community. I think it's a really connected community. Ultimately, it's not really chain Pav in the drive. It's everyone coming together. Stephen Hurley posting pictures of the map and teachers connecting on Twitter or, or Voxer about stuff that's going on. And I think people, people will say, well, what's the point of live experience? What's the point of the radio? And, you know, but mm-hmm. there's, there's nostalgia. People do like nostalgia yeah. and people like to know they're enjoying the moment with someone else together. Um, mm-hmm. The podcast has probably better, has better content for us. But in regards to community and, and, and building, I think if you're on Twitter on Sunday night, you can't find, you, you can't miss the drive. It's not because we're making the drive available. So many people are online making, con- oh, that's, that's my song. Uh, that's thanks for playing this. Oh, this reminds me of this. And it's actually quite mm-hmm. fun how Pav and I turn the songs and the choices into some really clever, I, well, well, Pav's really clever, some really great educational banter in between the songs. And it does make a very unique space. And um, we had a conversation with Aubrey Patterson once, and he talked about that in the world of podcasting, Regardless of best intentions for everyone, everyone's still sort of in the same space. They have their, I don't want to say fighting. You're not fighting for the same listenership, Mm -hmm. but he equates it to being in a red ocean and the sharks are all hunting for everyone. That's what he expressed to it. He said, the drive actually floats around in its own blue ocean because there's there's not another space like that. There's not anyone playing music, talking education. It is a, a once in a, it's a very unique space. And of course, I could say, well, Pav and I created this, but we didn't. This is Stephen Hurley, and this is the Voice Head Radio space. And he just allowed us to, to have some fun. He's got the, the, the contracts to be able to play music. And so it provided us all the opportunities to create a very unique space. And in the summer, you know, the Friday morning, that was when it was booming. 
Um, certainly, we don't mind the Sunday night, but not everyone has a Sunday night routine where they want to listen to mm -hmm. radio at 10 o'clock at night. But right. Friday mornings, the, the audience was lively and large and very much uh, global. So we're really mm -hmm. excited about this space. There's, there's a real adrenaline to live performance. Much yeah. the podcast, you're, you're not that I'm ever that serious on the hurricane, but when you're live, like there's just an adrenaline that's going <laughs> through your, your system yes. when you're like, got to make sure this goes right. Yeah. Yeah. And what's really nice is that, um, I don't know, I, I imagine you didn't start from the beginning because you didn't necessarily have a community, but at some point you started with the themes, which you, you know, kind of release and uh, make people wonder about. And then once the theme is released, everybody can sort of put in their favorite, uh, you know, request or whatever. And so it really feels like live radio and, uh, and it, it's just so much fun. And then to listen to both of you in between the songs or the sets uh, is, is really awesome also. Just want to take you back a little bit to your classroom and all the things that you've learned from, especially the Stack Room podcast, but even through the drive, I'm sure there are tidbits that you're picking up um, as part of your PD uh, on, the, on the radio. Do you feel there's a difference when you walk into the classroom or dial up Zoom or do you feel there's a different reaction from your students, a connection to students as a result of the kinds of things that you've been learning over the last couple of years that you mentioned earlier? Hmm. I'm not certain for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I would, on a interpersonal level, I'm increasingly proud of the content I'm delivering. Okay. Whether my students are, are more engaged, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Uh, I've, student engagement's always been high. Student relationships have always been really high. Mm -hmm. And so I don't necessarily, I wouldn't articulate that students that were in my class five years ago would feel that they're getting less than a student in my classroom now. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would probably be able to articulate, I know I'm more refined with the content that I'm delivering. I'm more refined with the read alouds that I'm bringing to the space. I can do a little bit more with the technology. So I know I'm aware of it, but in regards to, do I feel like my students are more engaged? I, I wouldn't trivialize it to say they're more engaged. I think sometimes that becomes very performative talk, very simplistic talk. And we hear a lot of mm -hmm. a PD, oh, our students are all engaged. Like there's this whirlwind of difference. And, and yeah, I think- Yeah, well, we have a, had a, started a discussion yesterday, the day before yesterday on Twitter about the word engagement. So yes, that's, that's one of those buzzwords that we want to stay away from. I agree. And, it, I always, and don't, don't associate engagement with uh, learning necessarily. Right. I, can, I can joke, my three kids can be engaged with their phones all day long. Right. And at the end of the day, they, I would probably argue they haven't really gained a whole lot. True. Um, and, but engagement is one of those really simple look for's to then think mm -hmm. I've done a great job. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'm going to have to go looking for that Twitter feed. So yeah, back to the question. I feel like I'm better with the content and I feel it's more responsible mm -hmm. with the content. Like even a simple one, like a read aloud where right. I would have stuck to the basic text for a few years, but now yeah. I'm much more purposeful despite best intentions with that text, mm -hmm. despite sure. engaging with really great photography units or really great social justice talk. To the core, the story is still about a white kid. So mm -hmm. it's out. And now I am much more purposeful with text. So even though the lessons still might be the same, mm -hmm. the activities might still be similar. I know the base text is, is a slight difference. So the kids five years ago, they're, they're going to have very similar experiences, I think. I just, I know I'm a little bit more responsible, which is sort of the, the subtleties of cultural responsive mm -hmm. pedagogy. Isn't the, the, 
the swift changes, it's those really subtle changes. Maybe a student doesn't even cognitively be aware that a book Probably. where the main character was a white male was really erasing their identity, erasing their story. And maybe they don't cognitively appreciate that if I'm reading Gutter Child that the, the, the star is a racialized character. Maybe they don't recognize it. Maybe they don't cognitively speak of it. Maybe they do. But do I, could I go to a presentation and say, I've seen this 37% increase? No, no, no. It, it's far more subtle than that. And I think that's mm -hmm. sort of the, that's the quest of teaching is that right. it, as I, as a sports guy, I always joke, I don't want to understand teaching through sports analogies, but if you're, if you're chasing a home run, you strike out, you miss a lot of pitches. And as a teacher, I can't be chasing home runs because pitches that I'm missing strikeouts, those are strikeouts on students. And I don't, I I can't be taking, I can't be so frivolous as to make myself look so great on a pedestal that I sacrifice 10 kids in the hopes that I have that one kid that raises up exponentially. I want to be much more mild, much more balanced. And maybe you don't get serenaded and celebrated for it, but I want my 30 students to all get something better. Not have one student that makes me look like teacher of the year. That That's not as important for me, which is often why words like, I don't chase legacy. I'm mm -hmm. not interested in my legacy. It's not about me when I teach. It's about making sure all my students get as best as, I, as they can, as best as I can give. Right. So when you're talking about those, those questions, I can't tell you exponentially that I've had students that are doing far greater than they've done before. Mm -hmm. Teaching is a grind. Being a student is a grind. And collective growth is about uh, just that. Collective growth every year, every teacher. As a grade eight teacher, my students are graduating. I don't think I'm their graduate teacher. No, no, no. This is a representation of their kindergarten teachers, their grade one teachers, their two sure. teachers, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Every principal, every administrator, just because I'm the grade eight teacher doesn't center myself as uh, it's your graduation year. I was your graduation teacher. No, no, no. It's collective. Right. And, and I think, you know, a couple of things that you said resonated with me in terms of your students noticing uh, those who have always been marginalized are noticing that they're finally seeing representation of themselves in, in what you're putting out. Does that change how they do in your class or whatever, just like you were saying? Not necessarily. But I, I think you've always been about student agency and project-based learning and trying to find ways to make sure that your students are uh, enjoying their learning and having a relationship with the learning that it matters to them. And so probably that's why you really haven't noticed the difference. The nuances are, are subtle in terms of your being more mindful about what you're doing, which we all should be mindful of, you know, and intentional about what we're doing. Um, and, you know, do you beat yourself up because you weren't before? No, because you're on this learning journey, right? And you're doing it now. So that's, that's what's really important. Did it affect your students? No, because you had those relationships with your students. Whether, whether you were teaching that content or this content, you still had that relationship and they, they felt that. And so they wanted to do better and they were learning because of that. Um, so it's really, I love the way you answered it because it sort of puts the, the onus on all of us to look at what is the content and what is that SEL component? And they're two different things, but they work together. And I think you, 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 I don't know if you intended it, but that's exactly what you did was you, you put that together really, really well. Jay, this has been really awesome. And, and I hate to sort of come toward the end. Is there anything else you wanted to say or anything else, any other advice you wanted to give our listeners before we finish up? 
Well, Eileen, I don't impart advice because who's to say that I'm in any position to give advice, but I actually want to comment on, on your take on what I was saying because you brought up that great point. And then I started mm -hmm. to think a little bit, you know, I, I commented, do, do, are my students cognitively aware? And then you pushed and you said, you know, they are aware. And then I said, this might be also part of being a white male teacher that maybe my students aren't necessarily going to come and say, hey, thank you, Mr. Cheney, for making sure I'm seen in it. So yeah, I'm going to sort of push back on myself. Yeah, they are cognitively aware, sure. but I can't necessarily think that they need to tell me mm -hmm. in order to validate the practice, right? Middle schoolers, or uh, I speak of middle schoolers, that's my experience. They're not necessarily going to come and say, thank you, Mr. Cheney, mm -hmm. for this. But you're right. They, they're probably inside and cognitive, they're thanking and, and, and appreciating that type of resource. So thank you for sort of pushing that conversation a little bit further and, and pushing my thinking uh, a little bit further to be aware. Yeah, they're cognitively aware. It's just, mm -hmm. but don't think that they're going to come and tell their white male teacher that, oh, thanks for this. And, and nor or that, white, that, yeah. well, that I should ahead. be looking for it. I was going to say, I shouldn't be looking for it either, again, because I don't need to center myself. If the teaching is quality and I anticipate the next teacher delivers quality, then it's that mutual space. Yeah, and the thing is, you've always been uh, allowing them to feel a sense of belonging. Perhaps they weren't seeing it in the content, but you were making sure that they had that safe space in the classroom to be able to tell their personal stories and in order for them to feel comfortable in that space and feel a sense of belonging. Now you've added the extra part to it. And so maybe that's not something you really notice, but that's just making it even better. I, I love how modest you are and, and how humble you are about, um, and we should all really be aware of that. Uh, not always centering ourselves as, as the ones who know it all and the ones who are going to do it all. Because I think that's a responsibility that becomes very onerous and heavy. And if we're not careful, then it's difficult to make mistakes and have failures if, if we think we're on that path to greatness. Um, another thing that you mentioned was that you, you don't I don't remember how you said it, but something about leaving a legacy that it's not all about you, but you are leaving that legacy, Che, because you're, you're not, it's not necessarily about you, but what you're doing is you're able to connect with your students and you're making that impact. And I bet after all these years of teaching, you do have students who come back and say, Mr. Cheney, this is what I'm doing now. And some of it has to do with you or all of it has to do with you. And that's what we do. You know, that's the legacy. It's not about us. It's about what we impart on the next generation. And after that, um, what we leave for them. Oh, those are great insights. The expression I think I use, I don't think I know because I say it all the time. I don't chase legacy. Mm -hmm. uh, it sort of reminds me of, I've, I'll put it back into another silly sports analogy. I'm not chasing 50 home runs. Maybe I hit 35 home runs because they just happened to come my way. So you're, you're right. We do leave a legacy. There is a legacy that's left behind and it's measured in those simple things like getting an email, Mr. Cheney, you know what I remember? Your read alouds. Love it. Um, but I, I often fixate or I, or I comment is, and it's for my own personal pedagogy to help me. And not every teacher needs the same sort of reminders. And I always remind myself, I'm not chasing legacy because chasing legacy is the pathway to centering myself because I'm fixated on me. And when I teach, I actually, my growth, my learning, and a lot to the podcast with Pav, mm -hmm. who gets to really reflect on what it's like to be in a school. It's all racialized students, uh, a very much racialized staff, and what the role I took in that space. And she was able to give me some insights to say, you know, in staff meetings, you would often be the final voice, the loudest voice. 
and people would wait around for you to speak. And I always thought that was good. That was my leadership. But now I realize, no, 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 I don't want to be that voice. That voice is a reflection of, of being a white male in this space. And so that I make that connection to that legacy where I don't want to be as centered. And this is my own personal growth. And this is uh, great mutual growth for me. So, so Eileen, you're pushing me and you're giving me great things to think about. And I love this conversation. And uh, I know we're about to wrap up. So thank you for bringing me into your space and, and letting me be a hurricane and go on some tangents and then push back a little bit and give me some other things to talk about. Because I know collectively uh, I'm going to be a better teacher because of the conversation we've had here the, this afternoon. That's, that's so awesome. I, I really love this. And I, I, I have to say, I was hoping for this because I really admire that in your conversations with Pav. Not that I'm Pav, but I really appreciate the fact that we're able to reflect together. So Che, as we wrap up, uh, where are the best places or where is the best place to find you? Uh, everyone come up to North Toronto and I'll take you on a tour of the city. Um, <laughs> The best place to find us is actually on our webpage because I can't remember any of our handles to be specific, but if you go to cheandpav.com, all our stuff is there, all our link is there and, and that awesome. brings you to, to our content. If you wanna connect some more, we'd love it. Yeah, and you, you know, post, post COVID, whenever that is, you may have people, including me, coming up and visiting you. <laughs> we will take you on a great time and show you all the great spots in Toronto, a lovely multicultural city that everyone should come and visit. Yeah, since I'm a neighbor in Buffalo, that wouldn't be too hard. Let's see if I can get across the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Looking thanks forward so to much. it, Eileen. Yeah, thanks so much, Che. This was amazing. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.